Hello, SBPC. Thank you for listening and honoring the Sabbath day in this way. I pray that this time would draw you into God's presence, protection, and love. Let's pray. Lord, in this time of uncertainty, we come to you. We thank you that you are unchanging and all-powerful. Let us rest in your will and protective hand. Guide us as a church and a people of God that this prayer, this time in prayer, this time of singing and hearing the word, bless you, O God, and empower us with your presence. May we grow ever more as Christ followers, faithfully living as your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to, in a moment, lead us in the song Waymaker. If you would like to sing along, I encourage you to Google the lyrics, and then you can have them in front of you and join with me. And as we sing this song, Waymaker, I want us to remember that God is the one who goes before us and is with us. He makes the way and guides our steps. He touches us, blesses us, protects us, and heals us. May we worship God with this song.
Thank you for being our God and for loving us, for coming before us, for knowing us. Lord, we just ask that you would bless us in this time together, in your word, and all that you have to teach us and lead us. Um, before we get into the sermon, um, this last week I was in Mexico on the dental mission trip with Sandra and Karen, and so many things changed here in America. The NBA postponed their season indefinitely. The Major League Baseball canceled the rest of their preseason. NCAA canceled March Madness. Disneyland closed all its parks. Schools have closed. And many churches have chosen to not hold services at their places of worship. In the midst of all these changes, many people are feeling nervous and even fearful because of the coronavirus and how it has impacted not just our country, but our world. I want to encourage you to keep your faith strong in the Lord and trust in Him. This last Friday night, as we were driving back to the ranch where we were staying, we had to drive over dirt roads that had turned somewhat muddy because of the rain the previous two days. Right before the ranch, there's a long, somewhat steep hill that is difficult to get over in these conditions. And as I was driving up the hill, I felt the van unsteady beneath me sliding because of the mud. At first, I was very concerned, but then I rested myself in the Lord, and I began to pray, knowing that God would watch over us and help us prevail. This indeed happened, and we, when we got to the top of the hill, we gave praise to God. I believe that this is the posture we should have in this current climate of the world. 
We are in unfamiliar territory, and we need to trust in the Lord and seek him in faith and comfort. We need to give this faith and trust to those around us so that together we can see God get us through the upcoming challenges. We need to be cautious and wise, but not fearful, because we know that God is in control. Philippians 4, 6-7, we're told to not be anxious, but to be in prayer, and that the peace of God will come upon us when we give our concerns to God and pray to God. Well, with this in mind, let us turn to our sermon today as we continue in Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. We're going to be looking at verses 13 to 36, and our scripture reading today is from verses 13 to 15 and 25 to 28. Jesus is talking to the teachers, the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful, on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You've probably heard the old adage, practice what you preach. The reason why this is so important is because if we say we believe something like Jesus' teaching and then we live in a different way, then people will discount Jesus' teaching. They will wonder why it is so important if we who say we believe it don't live according to what we say we are to do. There's nothing that tears down the teaching of the Bible more than a hypocrite in this way. We must learn, understand, know, and then live out the teachings of Jesus. This morning we look at Matthew chapter 23, and we see how Jesus calls out the Pharisees for not practicing what they preach. In fact, Jesus says it straight out to the crowds and the disciples in Matthew 23, 3. He says, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. We're going to see what Jesus has to say to them because they do not practice what they preach. As we jump down to verse 13 in Matthew 23, we see that Jesus starts here the first of eight woes that he will give to the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. It is believed he gave eight woes because that is how many Beatitudes there are. The Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5 are the eight blessings that Jesus talks about. Those who are faithful in following Christ in these ways receive the blessings of God. These eight woes might also be a little surprising because we know that Jesus came to preach love and repentance and forgiveness. So it might seem a little harsh for Jesus to come 
and say these woes in the way he does. But he is the one who will judge all the people. And here he gives a hint of the kind of judgment people will receive if they are not practicing what Jesus is preaching. When Tammy and I were first married, she was working full-time, and I remember that one day I went outside to do something, and when I went to get back in, the door had closed before me, and it was locked. It was my day off, but Tammy was at work, and her work is far enough away so that she couldn't just come back and let me in. Her mom had a spare key, which meant that um, I had to get to her mom, and so she made some phone calls and got a friend of hers to drive me over to her mom's work, which is about two or three miles away, but he couldn't give me a ride back home, and so once I got the key, I had to walk that two or three miles. You know, it's not a good thing to get locked out. And even a worse thing to get locked out in heaven, as Jesus starts to talk about in verse 13. As he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. One of the things we've been talking about as we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew is how the Pharisees didn't like Jesus' teaching and tried to discredit him time and time again. Because of this, they are in essence locking people out of heaven because they and their great influence are keeping people from believing the truth, the truth that is needed to get people into heaven. Of course, that truth that is that entrance into heaven comes by believing in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. First, you acknowledge your sin. You are to acknowledge your sin and ask God for forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus. Second, you humble yourself before Jesus and let him be your Lord, your guide, the one who points your way. And isn't this all the more true in the times that we're going through? If we believe this, we need to share it and live it so others will believe it. We need to be an example to the world around us. If we're not sharing it, then we might be guilty of locking people out of heaven. May we not do this in any way. The next woe is against the religious leaders, against the religious leaders, was how they would go to great lengths to win converts to Judaism. They believed in their labor so much that they would go wherever they could spread their teaching. They would go into their religiosity, their way of living, their rules. They wanted others to follow these rules like they did. They thought they were doing this work for the Lord, but they were really doing it for themselves. The problem is, is that they were not making converts who would go to heaven. They were not making converts who could find Jesus. They were making converts who would be like them and follow their teaching. They wanted followers for themselves, not for God. That is why they were so angry at Jesus, because he was taking away their followers. But of course, we know that Jesus wanted them to follow him because Jesus was bringing the truth. Jesus was correcting their false teaching. Jesus was wanting them to see the truth of what a convert was to be one whose sin could be forgiven and whose lives could be transformed in the life God has for them. Our dental team just got back from Mexico, as I mentioned earlier. Next week, we will 
well, probably next week, in, in, in the near future, we will have a video and sharing of our trip. It was wonderful to help the children and families with dental work. And they needed it very much. Many of the children had never even been to a dentist or hadn't been in two, three years. And they had many problems. So it was great to see Sandra and Karen do such a great work for them. But even more important, more significant, is that many of the families heard the gospel. They heard about Jesus and what it means to be saved. They learned what it means to be a convert, to be a Christ follower. They became connected with a church, Pastor Ricardo's church, that could teach them about Jesus and help them to know about salvation and heaven and the life God has for them. This is what we are needing to do here in the South Bay, as well as wherever God may send us. I've told you many times how I coached and managed Tyler's baseball teams from when he was eight years old to when he was 16. One of the jobs I had as a coach was to teach the kids about baseball, how to throw the ball and catch the ball, hit the ball, bunt the ball, run the bases, and teach them how to slide in a way that they wouldn't hurt themselves, and so many other aspects of baseball. In essence, I was a guide to them to help them know what they needed to know and do for baseball. In an even more important way, one of my roles as a pastor is to guide this congregation into an understanding of who Jesus is and why we should believe in him. Even more, I am to help you to put yourself in a place where you can grow spiritually and faithfully serve the Lord. I'm a guide for you into the deep spiritual matters. I've been entrusted by God for this, and I take it seriously and humbly. Jesus starts, in verse 16 by saying, Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. The problem with the religious leaders is that they were not teaching the truth. They didn't know the gospel. And even when Jesus spoke about the gospel, they didn't believe it. They weren't leading people to worship God, but to worship the law and their leadership. They were getting people to make oaths to things and not to God. Because they were blind to the truth, they could not teach the truth to the people. So therefore, they were being blind guides. They were getting the people to make oaths to the wrong things and were therefore leading people astray. It is so important for us to make sure that we are leading people to Jesus, especially in these times where Jesus can be their guide, can be their comfort, can give them peace. We're not to lead him to the church, to ourselves, to our service, not to anything but Jesus. Once they find Jesus, they can be led to believe the right things and live in the right ways. Jesus moves on to what they were neglecting when he says in verses 23 and 24, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. We see that the Pharisees were generous and that they gave their tenth to the Lord. The Pharisees liked to do the things that made them look religious. They dressed fancy and prayed loudly. They fasted in a way that was obvious to all. 
They were committed to the smaller things, but they failed to give what was important. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. They picked and chose those things they wanted to do and failed to do the things God wanted them to do. The outreach team has been talking about the possibility of going to downtown LA with maybe Beacon Light and feeding the homeless. Now, I've done this on several occasions, and I found that it is not usually a popular ministry. I think this is because it is difficult to be around the homeless. We don't know what to do, what to say, how to act. They're unclean and not always normal people. They make us uncomfortable. It is definitely something that takes you out of your comfort zone, but I do believe it is something that Jesus calls us to do, to feed the homeless. If we are not careful, we too can fall into the struggle of picking and choosing what of God's call we want to do and what we don't want to do. When we do this, others around us will see us not practicing what we preach, what Jesus preaches. He tells us to to practice justice and mercy and faithfulness. Not too long ago, our family went to the Cheesecake Factory. We had a dinner gift card and four free cheesecake coupons. While the dinner was very good, the cheesecake was even better. My favorite cheesecake is Adam's Peanut Butter Fudge Ripple. I think just by saying that, I gained three pounds. I remember my family asking if they could have a bite to taste my piece as we were sharing with each other. I confess that at first I was reticent to not let them because I wanted it all for myself. I was a little greedy, but it is quite a large and rich piece of cheesecake. Of course, I did let them have a taste. And at the end, I couldn't even finish it all. It was so big and so rich. And I tried to share it with them. But by the time we got to near the end of our cheesecake, no one could finish their cheesecake and no one wanted anyone else's cheesecake. We were so full. See, we all have a tendency to be greedy in some way. Why does Jesus say, woe to you who are greedy? In verse 25. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Now let's say I have a dirty cup. Now I wash the outside and I make it so it looks good. But you don't know the inside is still dirty. I do not wash it. And then I fill it with your drink and I give it to you. Would that be good? No, of course not. It was more important probably for me to wash the inside of the cup. See, that happens all the time in our lives if we're not careful. And Jesus is pointing this out through the actions of the Pharisees. He says the Pharisees were full of greed and self-indulgence. This is on the inside. They liked the authority they had and didn't like it when Jesus lessened their authority. They liked the attention and the superior position they held over the people. He goes on to challenge them with another woe in verse 27, which 
carries on the thought of the last woe that we just talked about even more. When he says, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You can make a grave or a, a casket look good on the outside. It can be decorated and polished and cleaned. But the truth is, on the inside, there's a dead body. And ultimately, there are just dead bones. It is not so nice on the inside. See, Jesus was saying that while they spent much time looking good on the outside, the way they dressed, the things they wore, the actions they took, they did not look good on the inside. They did not give to God their sin. They did not confess but allowed it to dwell in their hearts. They did not practice what they preached. Do we do the same? Do we try to put on a front like everything is good, but on the inside we are lost? Do we say we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but on the inside we have sinful thoughts that lead us to not follow Christ faithfully? If there's something like this in us, we need to fall at Jesus' feet, humble ourselves, admit our sin, confess, and then God will forgive us and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Then we will be at a place where we can love like Jesus loved, forgive like Jesus forgives, be present in people's lives and do the work of God in this world. In the last woe, he challenges their statements that they made against the prophets of old. See, in verse 31, Jesus says to them, and you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Have you ever judged someone for something they did, thinking that you would never do the same thing? You look down on them because of their action, and you look down on them because you think you wouldn't make the same mistake. Maybe it is looking down on the homeless who are begging for money, and you think you would never beg for money. But if you found yourself in that situation with no one to help you, with no money, with no place to stay, with no support, might you possibly do that? Or maybe it's getting upset at someone who's driving slowly because they don't know where they're going and you forget the time you did the same thing, lost and not knowing where you were going. The religious leaders were saying that if they had lived back in the times of the Old Testament, they would not have persecuted the prophets of God as many of God's people did when they were called out on their sins. What is ironic about this is that Jesus, coming in the form of a prophet, among other things, is persecuted and killed by the very religious leaders who said they wouldn't shed the blood of the prophets of old. That is why Jesus says in verse 32, Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. Let us not put ourselves in the place of judge over others. Let us humbly seek Jesus and serve others and live like Jesus and let the judging be done by God. Jesus takes it a step further when he says in verse 34, Therefore I am sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. You see, after Jesus leaves, he puts the disciples in charge, and they are to 
be sent by Jesus in the role of a prophet and a sage and a teacher. They carried on Jesus' teachings and they shared the good news. They gave wise counsel and they challenged people in their sinful living and they were persecuted for their faith and many of them were martyred. Let us be willing to be prophets in confronting people in their sin and speaking the truth of God. Let us be sages in sharing the wise counsel God so generously has given us in the Bible. Let us be teachers of the truth, lifting up the truth in a world that so often gives blind teaching and creates fear and lostness. Let us be sent by Jesus Christ to do the work that he sends us to do and so needs to be done. Let us take up the mantle of Christ and carry on his teaching and example. Let us practice what he preached. After serving the Lord for 15 years in Pakistan, missionary Warren Webster was asked to speak at the famous Urbana Missionary Conference. He ended his message with these words, If I had my life to live over again, I would live it to change the lives of people. Because you have not changed anything until you've changed the lives of people. I would add, change your life first. And be the example that Jesus was. Let him transform your life to be like him. And then you will have a better chance of God working through your life to change the lives of others. As you practice what you preach, what Jesus has preached, you then will impact the world and bear wonderful fruit for the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you in this time and we give you thanks for all that you are doing in and through our lives. We are so grateful for your blessings, for your work, for the ways that we can just give ourselves over to you, Lord. We thank you that Jesus gives us such wonderful teaching and reminds us of the danger of following into the practice of how the Pharisees lived. We can get so into rules or laws and so get into looking at the Bible and, and forgetting that it's really about you, Jesus. Lord, as we again live in these times of uncertainty, unfamiliar territory, Lord, help us to be a people, help us to be a church that trusts you, that finds its place in you, that finds its purpose in you, that is sent by you into a world that needs your peace and your joy and your love. Be with us, Lord. Bless us. We lift up our lives to you. We lift up all things to you. And we do this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.